So this morning's message that I wanted to bring you is something that's been on my heart for, for quite a while. Uh, the title of the message is uh, Bad Shepherds, Good Shepherds, Fat Sheep, Lean Sheep. Okay, um, And it comes from Ezekiel chapter 34. Um, and, and this is one of my favorite chapters in, in the Bible. Um, because I, I think it's very practical. God gets very real um, in talking about uh, how he wants uh, the community of faith to, to occur. What, what he wants to go on in the community of faith. And so turn, turn if you will, in your phones, in your Bible there to Ezekiel 34. And we're going to talk about some of this stuff. So we'll start with... Uh, Ezekiel 34, 1 through 6. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with their wool, and you slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered... They became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every hill, and they were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Let's take a moment and pray. <clears throat> Lord, we come before you, and we ask that in this time, as, as I'm sharing and telling what you have put on my heart, Lord, that you would speak through me that you would make these words of your that you gave to the prophet Ezekiel so long ago be fresh in our hearts and minds, and that out of them we wouldn't find so much your judgment but your redemption, that we can become the body, the community of faith that you have desired for us to be, Lord. Help us to learn these lessons from the past so that we can live better in today and in the future. In your name we pray. Amen. So part of our focus here as elders and pastors in the church is that we want to develop a healthy faith community. And as we talk about that in our pastoral meetings or as elders, uh, what do we need to do to make sure that that happens? Um, this is one passage, you know, that, that I focus on a lot is how do we build a good faith community, and certainly building a good faith community requires healthy leaders. Uh, but as we'll read also a little bit later in this chapter, it requires healthy members of the flock as well. And most importantly, we'll see that a healthy faith community requires us keeping our focus on God, who is the only one that is truly good. So one of the things that we read in this passage is that bad shepherds do bad things. 
And God is very honest about that. There are bad shepherds that are shepherding the flock of Israel. And you need to know that. And God is going to call them to accountability at some point. This passage lists many things that the bad shepherds of Israel were doing. They were exploiting them. They were benefiting from them, but they weren't taking care of them. They were not strengthening the weak. They were not healing the sick. They were not searching for the lost or binding up those that were injured, as a good shepherd should be doing for his flock. They were benefiting, but they weren't adding value. This is kind of the very opposite if you think of Psalm 23, where David says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. These shepherds left a lot of sheep wanting. They didn't lead them into good pastures. They didn't lead them beside still waters. And God noticed. You know, it's often easy to identify bad shepherds who do bad things. And I would encourage you, if you see bad shepherds who are doing bad things, stay away from them. Join another flock. Go to a different place where you see good shepherds doing good things. But sometimes telling the difference between a bad shepherd that's doing bad things and a good shepherd that's doing the wrong thing is not always so easy. And I want to kind of point out a few things about that. Sometimes good shepherds do the wrong things. Perhaps out of ignorance, out of sin, out of fear of man. And we have to understand the difference between a bad shepherd doing bad things and a good shepherd doing wrong things. And I'll give you a couple examples from Scripture. In Mark 10... 13 through 14, we read about these parents bringing their children to Jesus and wanting him to bless them. And the disciples, as shepherds of that flock, were rebuking the parents and saying, no, that you shouldn't do this. Keep those kids away from Jesus. And so Jesus has to correct his disciples to say, let the little children come to me. It is for such as these that belong to the kingdom of God, right? And so the disciples received Jesus' correction about how they were shepherding the people at that time. Another example in Scripture we see is from Acts chapter 6. And this is the story where um, some of the widows were not receiving their portion in the daily distribution of food Um, that the Hellenistic Jews, the Greek Jews, were being left out, but the Jewish widows uh, were were receiving their share. And so they brought up this complaint to to the, the apostles at that time and said, this isn't right. You aren't shepherding the flock appropriately. And so the apostles took that feedback and they put into place a corrective action plan and, and begin making sure that everybody got the f- same treatment. And then a third one that Paul kind of talks about in Galatians chapter 2. There was a time in Antioch where Peter was visiting the non-Jewish Christians in Antioch. And Paul was there with him. And as they were eating around the tables with these non-Jews, uh, 
Jews started showing up into the, to the fellowship. And Peter uh, began to pull back because it wasn't tradition for Jews to be eating dinner with non-Jews. And so Paul called him out and said, Peter, you're being a hypocrite. Because of our faith, common faith in Jesus, we don't require non-Jews to live up to the Jewish traditions just to have faith in Jesus. And yet, you're acting like you who are not following the Jewish traditions anymore because of your faith, you're now requiring that of other people. And, and, and Peter realized his fear of man was driving him to do the wrong thing. And so there are times where good shepherds do wrong things. And there are some times when you have bad shepherds that are doing bad things. And so I want to give you five criteria that can help us discern between the two. The first is accountability. Healthy leaders are accountable to others. Um, in the story where, where Jesus was correcting the disciples about the little children, the disciples recognized Jesus' authority and got in line with what Jesus was teaching. They, they are accountable to some authority. They're accountable even to the people that they're serving, as in Acts chapter 6, where the, the Greek widows and the Jewish widows weren't receiving the same fair treatment. And they raised questions about that, and the apostles were accountable to the people that they were serving. Transparency is another one. Healthy leaders have no hidden agendas. They have no secret lives that they need to keep secret. You know, Jesus said, what is spoken in secret will be spoken out loud. In the end, there's not going to be any hidden issues. It'll all come out in due time. A third one is, is submission to authority. Healthy leaders are able to receive correction and walk humbly in the midst of that. And so all of us, whether we do, you know, as you're looking at, 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 a, a, at a, a pastor, at a shepherd and what's going on, we're open to correction. We're open to you asking questions, to you saying, I have my concerns about this. And, and we take that seriously and we talk, at least among the pastors, among the elders, about how do we handle a certain situation. If we've done wrong, we're able to admit that and move in a different direction. A fourth characteristic is repentance. Healthy leaders are willing to admit when they are wrong. Um, we are human and we get it wrong sometimes. Healthy is that we are able to say, yeah, I screwed up. I was short-tempered, um, I was overwhelmed, I did something I shouldn't have done, and to, to make amends. And then the fifth one um, deals with motives. Healthy leaders prioritize the benefit of the community over themselves. And you see this in, the, in what God was talking about with the, the prophets, the shepherds of Israel and Ezekiel, you know, 
you eat the curds, you take the wool, you kill the uh, choicest animals for your food, um, but you're not taking care of the sheep. The prophets were, those shepherds were prioritizing their own benefit over the benefit of the flock as a whole. I'd read a couple articles over the last year or two about, you know, different pastors that made the news, and, you know, a pastor usually making the news, it's not for a good thing, right, in our day and age. Um, so there's this one pastor I read about back in 2022. He was caught on video berating his church because they hadn't given, given him this $3,000 watch that he wanted so that they could, you know, as an honor to him for what he was doing for the church. And, and so, you know, the, one, why would you make a YouTube video of that? Um, but that was picked up by the Wall Street Journal and several different, you know, uh, national newspapers um, that, you know, why this church wasn't honoring him by giving him this very expensive watch. Now, after the uproar kind of came out about it, he did apologize uh, afterwards. And, and he said this. He said, I've spoken to those I'm accountable to and have received their correction and instruction. So I think what he was doing was wrong, you know, in terms of asking for that, you know, very expensive watch. But at least I see in his behavior, at least in his words, there's this I've spoken to those I'm accountable to, and I've received their correction. I would tend to think of him maybe as being a potentially good shepherd who has made some wrong decisions if he lives up to those words. Here's another story about a pastor in Colorado. Uh, this just happened in the last couple months. Who he felt like God told him to set up a cryptocurrency exchange. Yeah. He doesn't know anything about it, but he felt a sure word from the Lord that he should set up this cryptocurrency exchange like Bitcoin, those kinds of things. Um, and he was able to raise over $3.4 million of people investing in that cryptocurrency. Out of that $3.4 million, he took $1.3 million for his personal benefit. Um, well, of course, in the end, this kind of falls apart because there's no real value in his cryptocurrency. Um, and when confronted with this, with his behavior, he responded this way. He says, one of two things have happened. One, either I misheard God and every one of you misheard God too, or God is still not done and he's going to do a miracle. Now, what I hear in his response is very different than what I heard in the first guy's response, right? His response was, well, if I screwed up, you guys screwed up too. So it's not quite all my fault. And um, if, I still think this might work out, but it, you know, it's up to God to follow through on his word. So he's kind of blaming others and blaming God that if things don't work out the way he said it would, even though he's pocketed $1.3 you know, million out of this. 
he sounds like a bad shepherd doing bad things. So when we talk about a healthy faith community, good leadership is important. But it's not the only thing that makes a healthy community a healthy community. And I think that's part of what's interesting about this passage. As God says to Ezekiel, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. And kind of goes through a list of the things he has against them. As we go down to verse 17 in this chapter, 17 through 22, God changes his focus from the shepherds of Israel to the sheep of Israel. And so he says, as for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another and between the rams and the goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? He's talking to the rams and the goats here. Must you also trample the rest of the pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the water with the rest of your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them. I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you shove with flank and shoulder, speaking to the fat sheep here, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another and I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David. And he will tend them, and he will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. A healthy faith community requires its members to be willing participants and to to be healthy in their participation in the community. How we treat one another is as important to the health of the community as how our leaders treat us. God points to two divisions in this section that he's talking about. The first is the rams and the goats. Now, the rams and the goats, as you look at what that meant in the Hebrew culture at this time, the archaeological study Bible says the rams and the goats represent the people of power and influence in society of that day. The rams and the goats are that upper class, perhaps either because of in their politics or in their economic situation, they are the upper crust. And so that upper crust taking advantage and reaping the benefits of the social structure and, and, and leaving little or no good for the rest of those. They would be out in the pasture and they would eat the good green grass, but then they would trample it and leave just a muddy mess for the rest. They would go to the edge of the still waters and they would drink it, but then they would stomp into the waters and make it muddy so the other sheep had dirty water to drink. And we sometimes see that in our day and age as well. There are different classes, even within the church at times, where there is the upper crust and 
maybe the lower crust. <clears throat> in the New Testament, they dealt with this as well in James chapter 2. James was advising a church, churches that he was writing to. He said, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, stand over there or sit on the floor at my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So James was talking about it his, in his day, how do we become a healthy community? Let's look at those issues where we're falling short and change them. Let's live up to the gospel, the good news that Jesus brought us into. We do this in churches. I, you know, I've walked around in this building that, that we have gotten from other churches in the past. And one of the things I noticed as we were moving in is that there were a lot of plaques in different places in the church that said this part was donated, was built based on the donations of so-and-so. Or uh, I think even on some of the pianos, there were little plaques that said this piano was donated by, you know. And we give honor to those people who are able to give the big donations. But if you aren't able to give a big donation, well, we don't honor you. And we have to look at that. How do people feel when that happens? We need to honor those who give and also those who can't give. We honor people not based on what they give, but that each of us are made in the image of God. That God loves each one of us. And that Jesus died for each one of us. And so each one of us deserve to be honored in that way. God also talks about the fat sheep and the lean sheep in this. Now, so when we're talking about fat sheep, we're not talking about those sheep who need to go on Ozempic or something like that to lose weight, right? That's what, you know, our day time. We're talking about those sheep who maybe feel like they have it all together, who feel like they're special. And because they're special, uh, they're not to be held accountable or you know, they should get special privileges in kind of what's going on. They are people who think because of their position in the church or their anointing or special gifting, um, they don't, they deserve special privileges, that they're not to be held accountable in the same way that, that other people uh, are held accountable. In Jesus' day, there were many Pharisees and teachers of the law who saw themselves this way. Jesus said in Matthew 23 about these folks, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. <clears throat> they make their phylacteries, which were these little boxes that held scriptures on their clothes. They make their phylacteries wide and easily seen, and tassels on their garments are long and showy. They love the place of honor at banquets and 
the most important seats in the synagogue. They loved to be greeted with respect and in the marketplace and to be called rabbi by the others. Whenever our position in the church or our giftings become our source of pride and place us above others in the body of Christ, we have strayed from the path of God and what he plans for us. Jesus gives another example of this in in Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan. He's been having a discussion discussion with a teacher of the law who says, you know, what is the greatest commandment? And, And Jesus says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, and, and also love your neighbor then as yourself. And, and the teacher of the law says, yeah, those are great answers, but he doesn't like the who is my neighbor part, love my neighbor as myself. And so he says he wanted to justify himself, and so he asked, who is my neighbor? He wants a narrow definition of a neighbor, someone who's like me. But in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. And they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest, a fat sheep, happened to be going down the same road. And and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, another fat sheep, when he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, a lean sheep, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put him on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And then the next day, he took out two denarii and and gave them to the innkeeper, Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Well, of course, the answer is kind of obvious, right? But the priest and the Levite were fat sheep. They had the religious system figured out. They were benefiting from the religious system at the time. And so they weren't going to mess with their position of benefit and authority. The Samaritan was not one that benefited from the current religious system. The difference is, what are you willing to do to help those around you? Kind of Jesus teaches us. The focus that we get in as negative examples in, in Ezekiel are, these are the wrong things to be doing. Jesus comes along and begins to say, here's how I want you to act. Here are the things that we need to see sheep, the people of our community that are doing that are healthy. Matthew 25 is an example of this. Jesus is talking about when he returns, and he says, the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, and take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. 
I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Jesus covers a lot of those things in the positive sense that God was talking in the negative, judgmental sense about, you guys are doing this wrong back in Ezekiel. And I think it's important that the the righteous respond to Jesus in this passage. Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger? They have no awareness. They, They were just doing this to the people around them. They didn't see Jesus in these people. They just saw people in need. And so they did what they knew God wanted them to do. And so the king replies, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. A healthy community of faith requires good leaders doing good things. But it also requires members of that community to take up and live out day by day the teachings of Jesus in ways that they don't even think, I'm not doing anything special. I'm just caring for the people around me. But that is so special in this day and age. So here are five characteristics for healthy sheep. Make room for others. Welcome new people. Maybe they new people come in and they're sitting in your pew. And it's like, oh, they're in my pew. Where am I going to sit? Well, I don't like so-and-so, so so I'm going to go sit in their pew and make them move to another pew. (coughs) And you see this wave of people sitting in new places all across the church. Number two, forgive and be forgiven. That we live in a community of people, even though we are redeemed by the grace of God, we fall short and we make mistakes and we need to to walk in forgiveness and to receive forgiveness for things that we do. We need to embrace that we are all equal before God. No one is better than anyone else. Even though you may have a great gifting in song, in worship, in speaking, in any number of things, the gifting does not make you more special than anybody else in the body of Christ. Number four, we need to see others' needs and respond as we are able. That doesn't mean we have to meet everybody's needs completely. We've had several people through just different circumstances in life uh, here lately where we've done several meal trains. And, and I think that's a great way to help people out. Some have been able to do a full meal. Some have been able to do maybe more of a simple things. Others have done, just done, well, I can't cook. I'm going to give you a gift card. And you have Uber deliver a meal. That's a wonderful thing too, you know. Give as you are able and as you see the needs of those around you. And number five, participate in, on, on, in improving the health of a community and not just your own circle. It's easy sometimes to say, I'm caught up with my family, and that's, family's important. But 
you also then model for your kids, how do you help in a larger community around you? And the community of faith is one way to do that. Still, you have to balance with your life. I'm not trying to push you into doing something that you're not able to do. There is grace for all of that. But find some way to participate, some way to engage in your community of faith to help that community of faith grow and prosper and become more. You will be enriched by that as you enrich others. You know, we've been studying this passage in Sunday school for the past month. And so I I told my class this morning, apologies that you're going to hear the same sermon we've been talking about for the last four Sundays. Um, But one of the questions that came up in, in the class is, why does God allow bad shepherds? Why does God allow fat sheep to bully the weak sheep? And that's a good question. And I think you can answer it kind of several different ways. But as I was praying about it and, and saying, Lord, you know, how would you, how would you respond to this? And I think the answer that we see in this chapter in Ezekiel 34 is that in the end, there is only one good shepherd. All of the rest of us will fall short, some more than others. And that doesn't doesn't minimize that there are bad shepherds doing bad things and and they should be stopped. But, But in the end, whenever we put our confidence in a human, we're, we're leaving the path that God has for us. God says very clearly in this chapter, I'm the only one that's good. I have to come down there and do this myself because you guys are, keep screwing it up, you know. So Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16. So this is just after the passage where God is saying, speak to the, to the shepherds and tell them they're doing it wrong. He starts in 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my own sheep. I will rescue them from the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel and in the ravines and in all the settlements of the land. I will tend them in good pasture. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. No human shepherd is going to live up to what we need him to be or her to be. Only God has that place in our community. After God talks about judging the fat sheep and the lean sheep, he then goes into another part in verses 23 and 24. He says, I will place over my sheep one shepherd, my servant David, meaning Jesus, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be the prince among them. 
I, the Lord, have spoken. If you look at people, God chose to carry out his plan throughout the centuries. All of them had shortcomings and failures. I mean, Adam and Eve were there face to face with God, and then they screwed up and ate from the tree that God said, don't do that. Moses was a great prophet of God, and yet in his frustration with the people, he strikes the rock when God said, speak to it, and dishonors God in front of the people. King David, with his affairs with Bathsheba and and other sins. Solomon, in all his wisdom, allowing idol worship and the worship of other gods that came through his wives and concubines. Jesus is the one shepherd that God talks about in Ezekiel. No one is truly good but God alone and his son Jesus. Whenever we elevate anyone to a higher status, we begin to idolize that person and begin to leave the path that God has called us to. Jesus warned his disciples about this knowing that as they were released to do miracles and signs and wonders, that they needed to remain humble. And in Matthew 23, he says to them, But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant, And for those who exalt themselves, they will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. When Jesus is the focus of our faith community, we will move toward the wholeness and health as a result. But when we begin to put another person or a cause at the center of our faith community, we will begin to stray from God's plan. Not too long ago, um, Heather and I were out to dinner with uh, several friends of ours, different couples. I think there were about 10 of us, five different couples. And there, there was one couple there that was new. We'd not met them before. And we just started talking, um, you know, finding out more about them. And we say, we asked, hey, where do you go to church? And they said, well, we don't go to church anymore. Um, we got hurt by the church a long time ago, and we stopped going. And, and as I was listening to their story, I thought, of the five couples that are sitting around this, I could tell you stories about every one of them being hurt by the church. Unfortunately, I mean, that's the case. I mean, I think if you go to church long enough, you probably have stories about being hurt by the church or someone in the church. Um, and my thought was, when, when did it become a reason to stop going to church? And I understand there, there are very traumatic and terrible things that have happened in churches. And I wouldn't in any way advise you to continue going to a place where you're being abused. But I think there's also the part where how can you heal from church hurts if you are no longer willing to be part of a community of faith? And so I would encourage for your own benefit... <clears throat> To continue in a community of faith where you can begin to heal those wounds 
and, and receive the blessings that God has for you as part of being in a community of faith. And I think by continuing in that and, and trusting the Holy Spirit to bring a newness of life into you, you can get to a point where you can forgive those who hurt you, that you can bless those who hurt you, and be set free from those hurts in the past. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it has to happen all at once. But this is part of the plan that God has for us. So if you've been hurt by the church in the past, I apologize on behalf of the church. I have done things in, in my role as a pastor that I can tell you hurt people. And to the extent that I, I can, I have made amends for that and apologized. There have been times where I've been hurt in the church. And, and yet we have to stay part of a community of faith in order to receive all that God has for us. For our part here at Kairos, we are working toward building a healthy community of faith. We've made our mistakes. We have fallen short in the past, and truthfully, we probably will in the future. But our focus is on Jesus and living as he teaches. As leaders, we are committed to being healthy, godly leaders who do their best to seek forgiveness and correction when we fall short. And so we encourage you to speak up. If there are things that have, we have done that have hurt you, come to us. We're willing to hear those. We're willing to make amends. We're willing to ask forgiveness. We encourage you as members of the faith community to do your part as well. Engage in the community. Speak up when you have questions, concerns, but even when you have good reports, good things to share. Be willing to walk through the ups and downs of life together. That's how we become a community of faith. And I think if we will do that as we focus on Jesus, as, as leaders we work on doing the right things, as members of the community um, we engage, God will do wonderful things among us. Let me pray for you. Father, we come to you today and we thank you that you bring a word of truth to us. Sometimes, like in Ezekiel, that word of truth comes in judgment that says, you've gone the wrong direction. And sometimes it's like in the words of Jesus who said, well done, my faithful servant. You've, you've given drink to those who are thirsty. You've clothed those who are, are in naked. You, you've fed those who are hungry. Lord, certainly we want to be that latter part where we have been faithful to what you have taught us. So, Father, we come today and we ask you to lead us and guide us. Show us how to build a faith community here <clears throat> that honors and glorifies you and that is a testimony to the world that Jesus is true and his way is the best. In his name we pray. Amen.